Brett. Hello, Lindy. Hey, this is Brett. Welcome to the podcast. My family is a little weird. This is a conversation about people who have grown up or are still living with someone who has a severe mental illness. In our case, it, it is our mother. I'm here joined by my sister, Lindy. Hi there. Welcome. And as I said, this is a conversation. We're going to be talking about our experience and what we're doing to manage today. And we'd like to hear your feedback and your experiences and the same from you. How are you getting by? Yes. Let's get going. I mean, the, the fact that our mother um, doesn't do anything the same as anybody else that we've ever been exposed mm. to. Like there's the way that she dresses the, <laughs> or the way that she interacts with total strangers. Yeah often and she's also very creative with the way she cooks and the foods she makes um and the foods that she the likes she makes or the food very... she invents it's the food she invents yes. and also the way that she interacts with total strangers i think has also a flair to it so brett and i grew up with our mother who went undiagnosed for many years and at some point we started to figure out something wasn't quite right for me i can remember walking into a room where my mom was and the tv was on and she was having a conversation with the television set only there wasn't anything on the tv it was the little white stuff that you'd see back in the day and I had a sickening feeling that something was wrong. Snow. They called that snow. For all of you today who have never experienced a television set without a signal, um, it's the radio version of static, which is something most of you probably also don't hear. Uh, <laughs> living in the age of podcasts and MP3s. In any case, it's, uh, yeah, it's just static. The sound it makes is just a hiss, white noise, and it's just a bunch of, like she said, it's just a bunch of white stuff on the screen, little white dots. There's no picture. And mom was talking to it and having a conversation and laughing. Interesting. And I was about 16 years old or 17. So I would have been 15. When did you realize something wasn't right with mom? Um, when I when when i first actually saw it she well first it was she had a meltdown and dad had called an elder as they called them from the mormon church remember this okay yeah. so he came to talk to her and she was saying she was possessed and all this stuff the demons and whatever Really? I didn't know she said well, she, she didn't possessed. say I she was possessed, that. but she was saying like it was demonic activity or some some sort of oh. weird religiosity, which is very typical of of uh, psychosis and mental illness, not not drug induced, sometimes drug induced, but typical it's typical of, of psychosis, psychotic breaks and mental illness anyway. So 
somebody had called him and he came over to the house and was talking to her and she was doing that sort of Tourette's like thing where she would spit out some curse words and then she would apologize and she'd do it again and apologize. And he was praying for her, praying over her sort of Catholic style, like he was going to maybe tell this uh, demonic influence to, to leave her be. So that was, that was my first, I think the first time when it was really overt, but I didn't understand. Um, the first time I was really scared by it, I think was probably um, a situation where at my dad's veterinary clinic, where my mom stayed after they had divorced, we stayed at the house. She had her own room. It's kind of like her studio apartment. So I walked into the back of the clinic and my mom was, was talking and, um, and she was up in the front of the building. She came out into the back of the building and there was nobody there. And I said, who are you talking to? And she denied it. And I pressed it and she got irritated. Mm. So that was scary. Yeah. Cause you think there's somebody there and then you find out there's yeah, no one. Exactly. And, because of how she was talking. It was like, Oh, this is a full conversation. Right. Yeah. So with her, her diagnosis is something we really don't even know. She's seen several people since that time and different, um, professionals have told her that told us and her that she has possibly schizoaffective disorder um she's got bipolar mood disorder with psychotic features and then she had some other um painful surprises happen they also diagnosed still, her as schizophrenic yeah so she's a handful of things um and like we said she's living we love her we're also fed up it's exhausting I was just going to add that I really don't know anything about any of those disorders other than bipolar, uh, bipolar one specifically, because that's the diagnosis that I have, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, so that's the only one that I'm really familiar with, but I was recently reading about schizoaffective disorder and that sounds like the most likely culprit, uh, for her. Mm -hmm. It's the one that fits the neatest. Um, but I don't know anything about that disorder with persistent delusions when a person is, uh, when a, where a person is behaving rationally and they do not appear to be experiencing any, uh, symptoms. She, that's how she is most of the time when she's taking her medication, she's like that. However, she still has these persistent delusions. Um, the main one being that there are cameras filming all of us all the time, um, for nefarious purposes that I don't know if it's something that persists when someone is stable and medicated with schizoaffective disorder. So maybe she has something in addition to schizoaffective disorder. Maybe she had a head injury and she's had some sort of brain trauma. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with um, mental illnesses. Like when you get diagnosed with something serious in your, you know, family. If say somebody gets diabetes or they get 
um, some sort of a heart condition, the family and the patient is given a lot of education, a lot of support, a lot of understanding about, look, this is what your family member has. These are the preventative steps. These are the signs you can look for. With mental illness, especially starting out, this was like in the 1980s, nobody shared with our family, this is what she has. These are the signs you look out for if she's not on her medication. These are the things you're going to continue to see over the years. And I feel like we've been at a disadvantage because instead of being on some sort of a roadmap of understanding where we might have different detours, Mm. we never know what's going to hit us with her mental illness or what's coming next. These problems really, really surfacing in, in a sort of a concrete form in the 80s. We also were kids, number one. And mm-hmm. uh, my dad has no background in this. He, he was a veterinarian None. and couldn't have known less about mental illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was no internet. You had, you had the right. yellow pages and newspapers and that's it. This was shortly after Reagan had closed a lot of the uh, mental institutions yeah. because there was a big push due to the treatment of the patients. Um, there was a lot of barbaric treatment. And so people were calling for some sort of reform or um, improvement of conditions or whatever. And his answer to that because he was a Republican, was let's withdraw funding and close these places, which is, and that's the environment that my mom found herself in and that our family found itself in. And I don't know how much further along society is to this day. Uh, there's, there's definitely NAMI's getting involved in trying to educate families. Um, but I think we have a, a huge gap in um, care plan yeah. for families and the individuals who have mental illness. Yeah, for sure. So the other thing that Brett hasn't mentioned, but I think it is very um, noteworthy in our family, is that in the structure of parent to child, our mother uh, treated us both very differently. Yeah, well, yes and no. Yes, uh, it, it was uh, it was contradictory. She her behavior was contradictory because there was a fair amount of abusive stuff in terms of her, uh, mostly verbal, sometimes physical, but mostly verbal um, uh, treatment of me. But what she would do shortly afterward would be to give me all sorts of positive attention tell me that i was funny that i was creative that i was smart that she loved me so yes it was it was as lindy said but it was also mixed in with um positive stuff it was it was very uh it was very flip-floppy so she was apologetic after i don't even think she was apologetic because she never behaved that way. In fact, I don't remember her apologizing for anything ever. I didn't realize that until just now. Uh, I mean, she apologized years later, 
years, years, right. years, years later, but she didn't remember and doesn't to this day. To her, it's very vague. She just says, I was, I was cruel to you. You reminded me of your father and their relationship was going to, going to shit. Um, so that was her explanation, which is a very simplistic one. Um, but in any case, no, she never, she didn't treat me well because she felt any sort of remorse. She was just, um, that was just who she was. Her personality was very on and off in, in terms of her regard for me. It was, it was really very black and white. It was either positive or negative. She either liked me at the moment or she wanted to hurt me. So what I find interesting about the whole thing of their marriage wasn't working out is when I was going through it, I didn't really hear anything. I heard your dad is great. He's wonderful. So did I. I want him, I want him to be happy. I want to make sure we make him a nice mm -hmm. dinner. Uh, I didn't hear that they, they were, she was having difficulty or he was, you know, in any way, I just thought that they were together when we were younger and I didn't even think about that. Um, no, none of us so, were aware, nor was he. No, she was the one that was holding all the feelings in about being unhappy and not communicating to him that she was unhappy. Let me tell you what's oh, yeah. going on in EMDR because it was mind-blowing. Oh, tell me. I went the, uh, was, I think three weeks ago now, for the first time that we actually did it. And she yeah. said, okay, mm -hmm. so the idea is you pick a thought, right? Just wanted to pop in here and mention that Brett doesn't make a big deal out of it, but when he was growing up and my mom was emotionally abusive, that had some lasting impact on him. So you're going to hear him talk now about a therapy session that he had with a therapist who practices EMDR. The idea is you pick a thought, right? Well, I'll just explain this for people that haven't done EMDR. There are two things. I haven't. Okay. So in, in your thoughts, what you do is you have, um, you have a container, which is a place for when things that are upsetting come up and you want to put them away, like either to deal with later or just to not address in the moment. You have a place in your mind where you put them and you leave them there. Um, and then there's another thing called... I'm not going to remember the terminology right now, but it's basically a happy place. Um, and you can go there if you're upset or you just want to, I think, like relax yourself or something. Because um, what EMDR does is um, you, a thought, a thought comes up, you try to see what the image is connected to it you visualize that and then you're holding these paddles at least in my case they're not paddles like mm -hmm. like table tennis paddles they're very small they're like the size of two uh two big toes okay one in each hand and they have uh they buzz they vibrate and then the therapist mm. holds the machine that sets the pace. So the, the increments of the buzzing bzz, 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 or slower or faster. 
and they alternate from one hand to the next, back and forth, back and forth. So while you're thinking of something um, that you're that you're wanting to work on, mm-hmm. those things are going while you're doing that. Um, and then if you get to a spot where some some sort of strong emotion is triggered, like panic or sadness, or you find yourself crying or something, then the therapist will direct you, okay, let's stop now. She'll turn off the buzzers. You take a deep breath. You decide whether you want to go back into it or move on or stop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you move on from there. In any case, so what we did was she said, okay, let's think of a, let's, let's uh, pick a thought that's in your head right now that is unpleasant or difficult for you, a recent one. I said, oh, okay, that's easy. So she said, do you have the thought? Yes. And, um, or do you have an image? First, we started with an image. And I said, okay, I've got the image. She said, all right, what is it? So I tell her, it's me and my guitar. And I pick up my guitar and I strum a chord. And then I have this thought like, you're never going to change. It always sounds the same, you know? And then there's, I see myself putting the guitar down. Like, you're crappy at this. You're never going to be, you never work hard. And this is why this doesn't go further. Things along that line. So she says, you got the picture? You got the thought? Yes. Okay. So she turns on the buzzers and then I'm off. So I got my eyes closed and I'm just seeing, I'm seeing this play out in my mind. I pick up the guitar. I strum a chord. And, you know, I have this thought. It's always the same. It always sounds the same. You're never going to change. The next thing I know um the buzzers are going i'm just watching this little scene play out in my mind all of a sudden i'm i'm like six or seven years old in new jersey and i'm crying my eyes out and the thought is she's so mean wow so remember when i was talking about how this stuff is old yeah i mean we know it's old right but this is how deeply rooted these things are six or seven years old and you're talking about mom yep. and me and i start crying and i cannot stop crying and she's like do you want to okay take a deep breath all right do you want to stop and i'm like no you know this is what i'm here for is get through this stuff so she says okay let's go back um you see the picture yes i see the picture okay next thought comes up and I'm just heaving and crying. The next thought is, I just want to know what I did. You know, what did I do to make her so mean to me? So this is not, there's nothing intellectual about this. I'm not thinking about mom when I'm picking up my car. But these things are so uh, linked, so closely linked it's a direct line from, you know, five, five years old to 48 years old. It's that old and it's that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's that direct. Can I share something about that sure. little sure, boy, sure. that you, little Brett, that came up when I'm writing about mom? Mm-hmm. Is I'm, you know who I am already. I try to create peace i write about the good stuff Mm. i've got like this uh everything's okay now Mm. and i want that 
theme and I'm writing, I'm trying to think about back when, what is earliest back when with Brett? What am I thinking about Brett back when? And I had this picture and it makes me sad every time Mm. of you and you're over across the living room and I don't know what living room this is and you're crying on the floor and you're just so upset Mm. and mom is like way somewhere else somewhere else Mm. and I remember sitting there and just watching you cry Mm. that's all I remember about it and then you just shared this story with me and I literally just wrote that down <laughs> like two, two nights yeah. ago. Um, I recall her doing it definitely a few times and that is uh, she would ignore it. Yeah. Because, uh, because yeah. I'd probably done something that pissed her off. And, um, yeah. So. Then Brett tells us what he does and how the therapist leads him to a spot that reminds him of good memories. And I had picked, um, I had picked Nine Mile River from the summer that we went there, and we helped uh, Nana pick black uh, blueberries, and, mm-hmm. and, she, and we had gone to the tiny little swimming hole. Um, yeah. So that was my place. But when when the therapist said, "You want to go to your place now." I said, no, she's going to be there. Oh. And so yeah. luckily my, she said, okay, let's go somewhere else then. So um, very deft, you know, she's just yeah. moving right along with it. Okay, let's just go. Let's do something different now. So I wind up, um, it's older me with little me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And I take him to uh, a beach. And we're just sitting on the beach and I'm talking, trying to talk to him, you know, and he just is not interested. He's just happy to be at the beach. He's looking at the waves. He's listening to the wind, you know, he's just ecstatic to be, but I, it was the, it was the craziest thing because when I did see his face, it was very much like two different people. It was like, this is not me. This is me at some other point. But yep. the, the first thought I had was like, I cannot believe how much I love this little kid. I I felt instantly like I was a dad. It was the weirdest thing. I've never had that. Never had that. I just fell in love with him. I was like, Oh my God, anybody, you know, I would destroy anybody if they came anywhere near this kid. Yeah. And so, you know, she's like, all right, well, uh, I think it was her idea, you know, tell him, you can tell him that he's safe or something like that. So I, you know, I told him, I said, I, I looked in his face and I said, I'm, I'm never going to let anything like that happen to you again. And he's, oh, you know, he's still, he's not interested. He just is glad to be at the right. ocean. Um, and I'm, I'm taken by the shoulders. I said, do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes. He sort of nods his little head. I'm like, okay. So we hung out there for a little while and then that was it. Woo. So that's beautiful. All that from, you know, I'm, I'm an undisciplined, I'm an undisciplined person. And, you know, here's an, here's an example of it. I think, I think, uh, 
you've got an excellent therapist and a great um, tool. Yeah, that stuff I is mind-blowing. I didn't... I didn't have any idea. I thought it was people sitting in a chair on their own and taking their hands and tapping their head and tapping their chin and tapping their chest when they, they repeat a phrase. That may be a form of it, but that's just another another way to do it but wow the th- yeah uh yeah it's it's quicker than it was so dramatic i mean i could not believe it it was it Beautiful. was like somebody turned on a movie inside my head so- children do not know what to do when there is a stressful situation when they are watching and as you have heard oftentimes i would even wager to guess, most times, children believe whatever is going on in the home environment is their fault. And that is where trauma begins. And therapy is where, hopefully, one lets go of the trauma. Um, Brett and I are dedicated to talking about mental illness because it is just like any other health condition. It needs to be understood There needs to be a lot of information and education so that families who are experiencing this will have a stronger foothold to walk through it and get to a better place. Uh, Hope is the theme of this podcast, and we're really glad you're here. Brett and I want to make sure you know that there are people there to talk with you if you're feeling overwhelmed. If you're feeling a deep, deep sadness or anxiety, please reach out and call 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-TALK. You can also text the word GO to 741-741. And you can chat with someone online who's there to listen and help walk through what you're feeling. We care about you. This brings us to the end of the first episode of My Family is a Little Weird. We have love and we have a very deep respect for one another in our family, and that has brought us through a lot. We are really glad to be starting this podcast, and we want to connect with you, the listener. If you have something to share with us, we encourage you to send a message. Our question for you today is, when did you first learn that your family member had a mental illness? What did that look like for you? And I think we could also add, if you'd like to leave a message and tell us, what type of therapy have you or a loved one used to work on dealing with this very great disease? We look forward to talking back and connecting with you on our next podcast. Thank you for listening.